if you are willing to live for something, in the end, you'd be willing to die for it. A legacy continues. Welcome, it's another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot. She called us to live to a higher standard each day, to not be satisfied with just a little religion in life. That's a shallow substitute for giving God our best. As the series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from family, friends, and others who are influenced by her life and message. We'll be hearing from David Ede. David volunteers with the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, helping with our digital media. David tells us about the profound influence of Elizabeth and Jim Elliott on himself and his family. Also, Steve McCauley, son of Ed McCauley, one of the five who were killed in Operation Alka. Steve, a longtime coach and teacher, talks about the legacy of the five families as we today continue our series, A Legacy of Love. Today we're up to parts three and four, trusting God for your children and what makes a marriage. Let's begin with Gateway to Joy 1314, Trusting God for Your Children. Are we doing that? You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot. Delighted to have again today in the studio my daughter Valerie and her husband Walt Shepard. Which of you would like to talk first? We want to encourage parents to trust God for their children and not to worry. And I think... uh, Walt was just saying to us as we were talking before we started recording that the perspective it gives him as he looks back on his own life is helpful, that we can only take one day at a time with our children. And we trust God God hasn't given us what the future is. He hasn't told us we need to worry about it. He's told us we are not to worry about it. We have a son who's almost 18. We have a daughter who's 15. Our 15-year-olds and under are all at home being homeschooled, and our son is going to be finishing up community college soon, which means he's at sort of a crossroads trying to decide what he wants to do next. And we want to encourage him, and yet we also simply have to wait on God to to let God do the work in Walter's heart to to lead him into whatever God wants to lead him into. Honey, what would you say has helped you to trust God day by day? Well, the wonderful thing about having a dad like mine, and I, I just, I always catch myself saying, now what would dad do? What would, mm-hmm. dad was there uh, to help me. I remember in those first few anxious hours when you came home from the hospital with that little boy, our first. And uh, he was there when I, in my exuberance, I held him, lifted him high over my head and banged his head on the beam in our <laughs> den. Uh, and I looked over at my father and he just went, oh, son. And uh, I, I just remember uh, some wonderful conversations with dad and mom. I'm so thankful that God gave dad to us for 15 years after his first heart attack where we could... Do you remember those talks we had with him and just how mm-hmm. wise he was? And fun seeing the uh, the relationship that he and mom always had together and mm-hmm. being able to 
to to talk with him about now what do I do what what do we do and he was always reluctant to give us advice because he'd always say now that's something you need to talk over with Val I guess the the height of uh, of of comments that, that Dad has has made of helpful advice was this one thing that all of us kids have learned to say in growing up is don't be nervous don't mm-hmm. be nervous mm-hmm. and uh, there are times when the problems are are real and they're they're awful and uh, it's it's time for lesser men to get very nervous <laughs> and I'm just remembered of of uh, Dad's uh, tone of voice even when talking to us is just don't don't get nervous don't don't be all all upset I think this is a tremendous thing as we think about raising our own vowel in terms of uh, the very fact that what we have because of the covenant because of God's faithfulness is we have perspective we don't have uh, a shaky ground that uh, is falling out from under us when we think about our kids and we think about these older ones uh, I don't know what's going to happen to them I don't know what they're going to do with their lives but I do know that I can occupy myself totally with today how this helps me as a father you know, the real test, I think, of my Christian life is what happens when everybody's in bed and the whole house is silent and it's just me and the Lord. There have been some times when, as a pastor or as a father, I've had those moments where I've said, Lord, I want to be a plumber. I really do. <laughs> and uh, Or, Lord, I want to be a good electrician. But uh, just, just wondering out loud with the Lord, have you made a mistake, Lord? No, of course not. Uh, but that's been a real test for me in, in terms of am I going to turn to the Lord or am I really going to think for a, a moment, maybe even for two days straight, that it's all up to me. I think I One think, of the things that your parents seem to impress me with is that even if we made a mistake in what decisions we made for our children or how we trained them, even if we made a mistake, God's grace would cover our mistakes. As you said, they were reluctant to give us very much advice, very much specific advice. I remember your dad saying, trust God to show you at the time when it comes, when something like, you know, you'll cross that bridge when you come to it. But even if you do wrong, if you make a mistake, um, that's in God's sovereign plan. He allowed it for some good purpose. And that helped me, I know. And I know his way of just saying, don't worry about it, Hmm. trust. Yeah. That always helped me. And I think, too, the legacy left behind for me is the love my mom and my dad had. It was expressive. It was certainly not inappropriate ever, but it was it was very clear where dad and mom stood in their relationship together. And this has helped me because, yes, I can't worry about tomorrow. I can't worry about when my son graduates from the college. Uh, I don't need to. I need to give myself to what's going on today. And one of the great things that we could ever give our kids is us fathers is the love for the mom. And don't you think that's what makes a functional home when the parents love each other and the children are secure because they see that their parents love each other? I'm not sure what a functional home is. I know The opposite of a dysfunctional home, which we hear so much about. I get so nervous about that because we're so dysfunctional. We're two centers and we we dysfunction up a storm. (laughs) But, you know, I think the aspect here that... uh, that I can give my kids that security that you just mentioned. Uh, 
that they don't have any doubt in the world where the first priority is in dad's life. That can be the best thing. That certainly was what dad left behind for us mm -hmm. five kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, remember, that's really what God used to evangelize neighborhoods and even my school was the love and the affection mom and dad had. So I'm thankful that we are learning, and I'm definitely learning more than I did the first 10 years of our marriage, about showing affection in front of the kids. I've noticed in the last couple of years that my two teenage girls love the fact that we love each other, and they are happy when they see that we're affectionate because they've seen some other parents that aren't. And so I think my husband is um, following in his father's footsteps as far as just showing affection to me, and I'm just like his mom. I was, I'm often very busy in the kitchen, and my husband will come and give me a hug, and I have to let myself loose from the responsibility of, of getting the supper on just to show him that I love him too and that I'm not too busy to give him back a hug. I'm blushing like mad, I guess. <laughs> but I think there's another area too, and that is the area of loyalty. I'll never forget the time that uh, my mom made a macaroni and cheese casserole, which appeared on our table, a lot of suppers, and uh, sound a little resentful, don't I? I don't mean to be, but this one night I was tired. I'd just come in from work, and I said more to myself, but some people around me at the table heard me. She's made macaroni and cheese again. And down at the far end of the table was my father, and he said, She? You mean your mother? You mean my wife? And boy, it got <laughs> quiet. And I know I felt myself sweating great drops. But it taught me that, boy, there is a way to really show what's important in a home. And I'm learning all kinds of things about how to show my loyalty to her. I think it's appropriate for uh, discussing, too, the whole business of how do we stay together? How, do we, how does the marriage work? One thing that comes to mind is the children are with me, of course, more hours of the day than they are with you, and they'll come and ask me about if they can do something, and I'll say, well, let's talk to Dad about it. And they'll say, but Dad won't be home till late, and then I'll be in bed, and, you know, so I'll have to give them the sense of, but Dad is the final authority here. As far as I can see, I may be making a decision that might be wrong, and I want to let them know that I look to you for the leadership, and I want them to see there that the Father is the head of the house, and it is important that I, I don't make decisions uh, without knowing how you feel about something. And I've been learning that more and more in the last few years, especially that now that they are teenagers. Leadership is tough, though, isn't it? I, I uh, hear men in the church bewailing the fact that uh, they, they feel so inadequate at that business. Yes, I think all of us husbands, if we admit it openly, uh, admit it honestly, we, we all have to say who, like the Apostle Paul, is sufficient for these things, leadership in the home. And I'm glad that Paul answers his question there later in that Corinthian letter and says, God is our sufficiency. He is our sufficiency because... The leadership issue is just something that haunts me as a husband and a father. Uh, it's so easy to see why so many husbands abdicate on that. It's just, it's one of the hardest things in the world. And I think it's because we've mixed up our priorities. Home 
is the place we want to go to and relax after work. And uh, guess what? All those decisions are waiting for you at home. Mm. And you've got to be sharp on your toes for that. Does he ever make a wrong decision, Val? <laughs> As he said, we're both very dysfunctional. We're Does sinners. Does the bear eat berries? <laughs> Yes, and, and the joy to me is that I can trust God again. God is sovereign, and as I said, you know, Walt's parents encouraged us to allow mistakes to happen, and we can trust the Lord to even use a mistake for His glory and for the children's good. Of course, I've made some very stupid decisions uh, without Walt's being around and without the time for me to be able to ask him and later on I found out that my husband didn't like that decision at all that I made and I can simply you know ask his forgiveness and even ask the children's forgiveness and tell them that I was unwise you know in making a decision like that but going back to that whole loyalty issue is that we are together as a unit and and if I do make an unwise decision we have the forgiveness because of Christ. We have the, the harmony in our hearts that comes from knowing God allowed a mistake, and he's going to use it. And I'm thankful that I have a husband who's very forgiving. And uh, I'll, I'll ask him sometimes, now, give me some things that I need to work on, I need to change. And he'll say, no, you, you're not the sinner, I'm the sinner. But I, know, of course, know that I'm sinning just as much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Val and Walt. I'd like especially what you said, Val, that you're learning to trust God in your husband. I think every wife has questions about some of her husband's decisions. Mm -hmm. but the great thing is to remember he is your husband. God put him in a position of headship, so we have to trust God in him. We'll be talking more with my daughter, Val, and her husband, Walt Shepard. Thank you so much for being with me. A Legacy of Love, Part 3, Trusting God for Your Children. As I mentioned, we'll be hearing from Steve McCauley, son of Ed McCauley, one of the five missionaries of Operation Alka. But first, we hear from David Ede. He helps with our digital media here at the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation. The writings of Jim and Elizabeth Elliott have had a profound influence on myself and my family. I first learned of Jim and Elizabeth when she spoke at a Campus Crusade Christmas conference in 1984. And from that moment, I was hooked. Being a college student at the time, I immediately read her book, The Mark of a Man. And soon thereafter, I began to date the woman I would later marry. And she read Elizabeth's companion book, Let Me Be a Woman. Then we both read Passion and Purity, which prepared us well for marriage. Among the long list of Elliot books we love include Shadow of the Almighty and The Shaping of a Christian Family. The truths contained in these books have shaped our individual lives and our life together. Well, we've been married... 33 years, and we have three grown children who are all following the Lord. We have also had the honor of hosting Elizabeth in our home several times over the years. God's grace and mercy and faithfulness have carried us throughout our marriage, and He has used the ministry of Elizabeth Elliot to strengthen our resolve to follow Him no matter what. Thank you, David. That was David Ede. Later on, we'll be hearing from Steve McCauley, former coach and teacher, who talks about the legacy of the five families. The families of the five missionaries killed in Operation Alka, including his father, Ed McCauley. First, though, it's part four of our eight-part series, A Legacy of Love. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot, 
talking today with my daughter and my son-in-law. Welcome, Val. Thank you. I'm glad Walt. to be here. Thank you. We're glad to be here. We were talking about marriage, and I, I think we want to say a little bit more because I know that our marriage has gotten more joyful in the last couple of years. And I can honestly say about eight years ago, nine years ago, I was praying that the Lord would help me to love my husband more than I did. I knew when I married him that he was God's choice for me. I knew we were going to stay together. It was a commitment when we made those vows that it was for life. So divorce was never an option. We've never come to any point where we thought divorce might be an option at all. There have been uh, some unhappy times simply because I believe I didn't love my husband as God was commanding me to love him. And I remember putting it on my prayer list of asking the Lord to help me to love him more. Over the years, I really believe God answered that prayer. I can't say specifically exactly in what way or how. I can just simply say that the Lord increased my love for him as I sought to obey scripture, as I sought to uh, understand those verses about love covering a multitude of sins or uh, love is unselfish, love is not rude, 1 Corinthians 13, asking the Lord to help me to put those into practice. The Lord helped me to love him more and more, and I think in the last couple of years our love has just uh, blossomed, and we can honestly say we are a very happy couple. Would you say, Val, that partially in answer to that prayer that the Lord gave you new perspectives on Walt? Did you begin to see things, qualities in him that you hadn't really recognized before? I think I, I knew some qualities from the very beginning that I did like about him. For example, his sense of humor, his humility, um, his ease with people, his ability to make people feel at ease and make people feel loved. And I, I loved those about him, and yet I was making the things that I didn't like, uh, I was focusing on those more than I was focusing on what qualities in, that I did appreciate about him. And I think, as you said, my perspective changed because I asked the Lord to help me to love him more and more and to be thankful that he was my husband. And, you know, in Scripture... The key to a joyful life is thanksgiving. And so I, I've been trying to obey more and more that injunction to be thankful in all things. And and we definitely did not have a hard marriage. In fact, we've always thought we had a strong marriage. But all wives know the little things, you know, that bug them to death about their husbands. And, and I used to make much more of those things than I do now. And now I, I can honestly say appreciating him and being thankful for him is more important to me than making a big deal about the things that bug me. What about you, honey? Can you say something that has helped you? Well, I remember the uh, time we took a couple out for coffee not too long ago, and we were going to help them with some marital difficulty. And uh, you asked the wife of the other couple how long they'd been married, and they said only a couple of years. And you smiled and you said very graciously, you said, oh, well, this isn't really a serious problem then. And uh, I leaned over and said in my usual outgoing way, I said, yeah, we'd been married three years and we had tackled a problem like this. And you 
gently put your hand on my arm and you said, no, more like 15 years. And I think, again, it shows not just the difference the way a man looks at problems and a woman looks at problems, but that's the whole business of perspective and how we have both grown in our appreciation of the marriage that we have. You remember one day at breakfast, I had just proposed to you, and we were sitting at the breakfast table with your mom, and your mom said in her usually cheerful manner, you realize that you're both marrying sinners. Mm -hmm. And she went on to say, you're going to hurt each other. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no way. Mm -hmm. But uh, I realize over these years we've been married together, how true those words are that indeed we are sinners. And those verses that you started out with are very, very crucial. Love does cover a multitude of sins. And love is anything but something dormant. It's got to be active. It's got to be proactive. It's got to be progressive. It's got to be making hard choices, hard decisions, and then carrying out the intent of that, that choice. And so I'm very grateful because we've watched God faithfully work in our lives so that we can say, yes, these last two or three years have been our best. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm very grateful for that because I know it gives you a platform. I mean, when you're just doing all you can to struggle through and you find that your summary of your marriage is just, well, we're, we're just struggling along, uh, you don't have near the power, near the confidence to address the things that need to be addressed as a pastor. Uh, you don't have near the confidence or the strength to uh, engage a lost world with the gospel of Christ if your home is just mm -hmm. in total disarray. And so we are blessed. We're blessed mm -hmm. beyond comprehension sometimes. We're beyond expression, at least for me, in terms of just the, just the sheer knowing that I am loved by you. And... Uh, there's nobody out there who can take me out of the picture mm -hmm. in terms of uh, just the security I enjoy with you. And, and uh, I think that, this is... That helps us to have more understanding and more compassion for the young couples that are struggling in our church. I heard somewhere somebody said that it can take 20 years to make a real pastor, even though he started 20 years ago, and Walt has been in the pastorate almost exactly 20 years and it's just now that we both feel that we can love people where they are and want to encourage them in their marriages and want to help them to love God more and love each other more so you feel like you have more confidence in your pastorate simply because well not only because you're confident in God's love but because you are more confident in our own marriage yes I remember being worried when I became a new believer. I uh, was watching my father and he was just so gracious with some characters that were really way off the wall. And I thought, what if dad is a closet liberal or something? And I realized now, and it's been 20 years, I realized dad was just showing the wisdom of his years and showing this, this big heartedness of my father that I want so much for myself and for that pastoral ministry.
mm-hmm. as well as my home. And I want it to evidence itself, being able to accept people right where they are and love them right into the kingdom. I know that, that it really is possible now. Maybe you can help me with a question that is asked of me so often. By married women, they're, I would say the commonest complaint is communication. Sometimes I think if I hear that word one more time, um, my husband doesn't communicate. And I have a friend who told me that when she asked her husband why he didn't talk to her, he said, because I don't want to. Mm. Well, that's kind of tough to take. Do you have anything to say to that question? So often husbands don't want to communicate with their wives because their wives are talking so much that they don't get a chance. That could be part of the problem is that they're they're sick and tired of hearing all the words that come forth and women are more verbal than men are in general. And so they don't have a chance and they also don't think that their wives are giving them a chance because their wives are so busy trying to tell them off or preaching at them. I was just going to say maybe wives are too preachy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They think they've got all the answers. It, it is a sad comment. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm learning how to say to that person, now tell me exactly what you mean by the lack of communication. What, what you really want to find out is what are they looking for? I think that there's some in, in, incredible expectations out there that no man walking this earth could match up to. Did you ever stop to wonder what Abraham and Sarah talked about? Oh, my. When I think of those biblical marriages that were arranged by somebody else, and, of course, there was no such thing as romance and falling in love and all that sort of thing, and the almost outrageously high expectations that women have today of their husbands, I just think probably Abraham and Sarah were not having a whole lot of deep sharing of all their feelings. We're just, uh, we women are unreasonable sometimes mm-hmm. in our expectations, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and, and we'd say real quickly, because we're on your program, of course we believe Ephesians 4, that how can two walk together unless they learn how to talk together? But And, and he gives us some principles there for 29 following. But I, I would just say that a lot of times it's the expectations can be unreal or disproportionate or whatever uh, and uh, they need to be able to talk to each other about that but then then there's the, the very real problem that husbands get themselves into and i certainly fell into it i i deliberately didn't communicate with you early in our marriage remember uh, f- stalking off from the living room when i had a john wayne movie on and uh, Val really wasn't thrilled about John Wayne like I was, and I couldn't understand that. I mean, John Wayne, how can you lose with this movie about John Wayne? But uh, I realized she was desperately wanting me to talk to her. And uh, she kind of laid a challenge on me one day, just said, well, how about getting rid of that TV? And I said, you think the TV's a problem? I'll get rid of it tomorrow. And the next day, I walked down the stairs into the living room from our bedroom, and the first thing I saw was the TV, and I realized, oh, no, I've got to get rid of that. And we did. We got rid of it at the neighbor's house only because my hand had been called. But it sure helped. 
Thanks so much, Walt and Val. A Legacy of Love, Part 4, What Makes a Marriage. Well, before we go, let's hear from Steve McCulley. His father, Ed, was one of those five missionaries in Operation Alka. Steve uh, looks back on the legacy of the five families. Yeah, I I think the legacy uh, is just one of uh, five couples just wanting to do God's will, right? Uh, And that's, that's all any of us can be asked for. I remember my my grandpa, my grand, my dad's dad, who was my first memory of heartache, because he died when I was 13 years old, and he he was such a devout Christian and such a great guy. And I can remember him saying to me when I was just a little kid, Jim, Steve, you need to realize that God is probably not going to ask you to die for him, he said, but he is going to ask you to live for him. Well, when I'm seven years old, I, you know, I'm sure that didn't, you know, I didn't really understand all of that, but I, but I remember it. I remember him telling me that, you know, that's in a simplified version. That's their legacy. They were just willing to, to live for the Lord. And if you are willing to live for something, you know, in the end, you would be willing to die for it. And they weren't planning on dying, but that's what God had in mind. And they, that's, you know, that's what I think the legacy for us normal everyday Christians uh, for me is just that God wants us to live for him. And then what he does with that is, is up to him. And if we trust him, if we trust and obey him, it'll work out fine. Well, as we continue our series, a legacy of love, That was Steve McCauley talking about the legacy of the five families, including his own and his father, Ed McCauley. Elizabeth once said, the will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the Son of God or you capitulate to the principle which governs the rest of the world. Well, as our program comes to an end, thanks for letting us come into your home, your office, maybe along with you as you jogged, wherever we found you today. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out elizabethelliot.org. That's elizabethelliot.org for more talks, devotionals, videos, and more. And leave a podcast review the next time you get a chance. Thanks. Until next time, may God remind you daily you're loved with an everlasting love. Underneath are the everlasting arms.